This episode is brought to you by 9AM Health. 9AM Health, diabetes care that fits your life. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Healing in Hindsight, your Nobia source for thriving with diabetes. You know me, Taylor Danielle, and here for another Hindsight Talks, Hindsight Thoughts, both. (laughs) And I'm pretty excited about this one because I feel like this is relevant to anybody, not just diabetics, but non-diabetics alike. And that is defeating our inner critic. And everybody has this, this little voice in your head that every time that you're getting ready to do something, try something, or even just waking up sometimes, their mouth is running and kind of controlling your day sometimes, making you feel like you're undeserving, unworthy, and not able to achieve the things that you want. But I'm here to say, not true. And we're going to talk about ways that you can work with your inner critic for your advantage, for your benefits. That way you can push forward into the goals and things that you want, whether it's pertaining to your body, whether it's pertaining to your diagnosis, whether it's pertaining to anything that you want to achieve. So before we get into that, though, I do want to mention shameless plug. It is my show, but I've recently just launched my very first program called Expedition U Journey to Your Best Self. And this program is very near and dear to my heart because it is basically taking a lot of the things that I've learned and struggled with on how to achieve the body and the health that I want without losing time or motivation along the way. Y'all know it's a busy life being a podcaster when you're trying to work, when you're trying to record, when you're trying to solidify guests, when you're trying to make sure that you're bringing in some money every day, whether that's through a full-time job or if you're like me and you decided to go it on your own, right? It is always a struggle and trying to fit in all of these different habits and things to ensure that your body is optimized to its absolute best can be a challenge. So if this sounds like you, please reach out to me on Instagram at Healing in Hindsight or at just Taylor Danielle with one L and let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know how I can assist you and might even have something special going on with my program since it is brand new and I'm bringing in founding members. So Expedition you, journey to your best self. Definitely hit me up if you want in on that. With that said, let's do it. Perfect. You're listening to Healing in Hindsight, your no BS source for thriving with diabetes. What's up, guys? I'm Taylor Danielle, and it's my goal to help millennial diabetics like myself live an amazing life without your diagnosis getting in the way. I get it. I was diagnosed back in 2015 with type 2 diabetes. And it was really hard to find people around my age to understand how to travel, socialize, or even have meaningful relationships. But I feel like with a focus on mindset, perspective, and nutrition, together we can take back our health and our lives. Consider this the red table talk, but for diabetics. Minus the entanglement, though. So let's do it. So your inner critic, it is... It is really interesting when I first came into the idea of working with the things that you feel like you struggle with and seeing it as an ally. My girl Lindsay Simsek over at Almost 30 did an episode on discipline and how discipline should be seen as an ally. And that really, I don't know, really triggered something in me in a good way that 
opened me up to the idea of all of the things that we see as flaws or things that are bad may just kind of be this dark and scary thing that actually isn't. And it makes me think of that scene in Moana, spoiler alert if you have not watched the movie, where the island goddess is this big volcanic monster. And once she received what was returned to her, then she goes back into this peaceful, calm, beautiful island covered in greenery, all of these things. And so that's how I feel like our inner critics are. Now, your inner critic can be anything. It can be anyone. We tend to put a visualization over this voice or thing in our head that is telling us that we're wrong, we're bad, we can't do anything right. You get it. So something that I like to do is just to, to name it. What is your inner critic? And for me, it is, it is myself. I am my worst critic. I know that that seems to be a common cliche thing, but truly when I think about all of the things that I don't feel confident in or when I feel like I'm hearing that voice that's like, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing this anyways, whatever. It is truly myself. There used to be a point where I would hear my parents. There used to be a point where I would hear my friends, but it really wasn't them. When I, when I really boiled down to it, I was making up the thoughts and the sayings and putting their faces to it because it gave me somebody to blame. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for everybody. Sometimes your worst inner critic really is someone related to you or a friend. So I'm not saying that that can be a possibility. But at the core for me, I recognized that it was all of the things that I felt shame and guilt about for myself. And I would just put different names and faces to it in order to somewhat make me feel better because then it felt good to like, no mom, no dad, no friend, whatever, you're wrong, but it's really myself. And it definitely changed how I talk to myself. Now, when it comes to dealing with your inner critic, once, once you kind of face that eye or whatever visual you have, some people literally have some type of appearance. It's like this crazy, weird looking monster thing. We have this visual of like, when something bad is going on in our minds and we hear all of these negative thoughts, it's coming from this dark, visually unappealing thing that we've created in our minds. And a lot of times we don't want to face it. We see it in TV and movies all the time where someone is having some form of mental break, either in their dreams or whatever. And in order to face their fears, they have to go face the thing that they're scared of. And usually it's in the form of something, for me it's spiders, but you know, something that you don't like, a snake or whatever. And usually when they get to it and they defeat it, they slay the monster or whatever, what's left is either a cute and a misunderstood version of it, right? Or sometimes themselves. And I like to think of the, the Kermit the Frog meme where you got Kermit of the mirror and then the one with the hood on and they're like, yeah, just do it anyways. Like, it's, it's that. And so the thing about facing your inner critic is it puts you in a place where not only are you able to recognize that it is not as scary as you think, but you're able to actually learn and understand why. I feel like anime does a really good job of these visualizations of like, Whenever something, I think of bleach <laughs> when it comes to mind, whenever, some, whenever a spirit turns into this monster thing, 
there's a core reason as to why it changed into this. And it's because it's this buildup of sorrow, of anger, of longing, of feeling like they didn't finish something in life, whatever. But there's always this underlining theme that something evil that comes from something is a deep root of an unfulfilled desire of some sort or something some emotion that didn't get expressed or some vendetta of something that didn't get to be completed. And so I like to think of our inner critic as the same thing, that when you start hearing those negative thoughts, that it's more so something deeper that's going on that's making you do this. And what I've kind of come to a realization for my inner critic is that it's kind of like my dogs in a sense that my inner critic is actually trying to protect me. It's not trying to harm me. It's not trying to make me feel like I'm less than and that I don't deserve all of the things that I want in life. It is saying, hey, red flag, don't go, do not collect $200, caution tape, all the signs that say, this is bad, don't do it. And sometimes whenever people that we care about try to warn us about something, especially something that we feel very strongly about, we can have the tendency to be like, no, no, I think it'll be fine. And it's definitely a gamble of having to really dig into your intuition of like, should I continue forward or should I heed the advice of my support system, right? And sometimes we continue to do it anyways. It's the same philosophy of dogs and why they say, hey, sometimes you need to do hand cues along with a verbal cue because they hear your voice all day long. So it's very easy for them to not see or hear rather what you're trying to get them to do. But whenever you do a hand sign or you include a treat with it or something, some type of actionable thing, then they pay more closer attention. And so it's kind of the same thing. Our inner critic is going off for all of these reasons and we have to have kind of a miniature discussion on, okay, why are you freaking out? Why are you warning me of this thing? And the reason why I bring up my dogs in particular is because it's kind of that thing. My dogs, and I don't know if anybody else's does this, you can definitely let me know if they do, but they will bark and make noise for pretty much anything. If they hear a, a you know, loud bang or a knock, then you know they'll start barking or they'll start growling or making weird noises because they're just, all they know is that I heard something strange and I don't know what it is because I can't see it. I can't identify what it is, so I need to alert somebody. And for the most part, sure, it's helpful, especially I live by myself. And so when you're a female living alone, you don't have a guard system. I have an alarm thing on my house, but it's nice when my dogs, especially my oldest, makes some noise of like, hey, there's some movement outside the door. Don't know what it is, but gonna alert you about it, right? But it's the excessiveness of the warning. So she will bark and bark and bark and has kind of taught her little brother the same. And when it's something like, hey, it's my food delivery, right? Or it's my partner getting ready to come in the door or it's someone across the hall. I have a ring device and it's not even anybody coming towards the door. They just walked past it or they were, it's my neighbor. It's a false alarm and it kind of creates this little dog cried wolf kind of setup. And so I have to train them that it's okay to alert me, but only if I say it's worth going off about, should you do it? 
And so now with some different training tactics, my dogs do not bark excessively at crazy noises. And sometimes it's yourself. Sometimes I've dropped something or I banged on something or I'm thinking and I'm sitting at my desk editing and I'm like start knocking or wrapping my fingers on on the desk and they think it's somebody at the door and it's not. And I have to literally yell at them like, it's me, it's me. Like, stop freaking out. I'm the one who made the noise. And so I feel like our inner critic is the same thing. It's making all these alarms and saying all these things. And we need to be the alpha in the situation, if you will, and say, hey, 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 thanks for the heads up. Appreciate you. But A, it's cool. Or B, you know what? This is something to freak out about. Okay, we can proceed to figure out ways to get around the situation. And so once you kind of recognize that it is simply your internal system trying to warn you of something, then you're able to utilize that understanding to your advantage. So I will take launching this show, even launching my program that I mentioned earlier, that there's all these things inside of me that's like, oh my God, freak out. This is insane. Like, this is going to be something major. This is what if nobody signs up? What if nobody listens? What if nobody pays attention? What if nobody watches? What if nobody responds to your post, no matter how many hashtags you put on them? Because you followed all of these different strategies and all these things. What if the medication doesn't work? What if you can't lower your A1C? What if you are not able to deal with changing your food and all this stuff like that? You just go into this spiral, right? But in recognizing that it is simply your defense mechanism going off, you can say, hey, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. What is it? What's, what's really going on? Why are you reacting this way? And then you can actually have a dialogue with yourself and really understand, okay, my doctor put me on this new medication and I'm really nervous about it because it makes me feel like I'm not getting better. It makes me feel like I'm getting worse. It makes me feel like I'm not progressing. And that way you can really start to unpack those feelings. Hey, this is my first time launching a program. And even though I've trained so many people in the corporate setting to train people on something that is purely my own. It scares me because if people don't like it or if it doesn't do what people want it to do, I'm afraid of the blowback. When in reality, it's just, it's okay. I've worked really hard to create something that I feel is powerful and the right people will come and the right people will go through it and the right people will see the type of change that they want because I did it for myself. So we have to slow ourselves down and meet our emotions and our defense mechanism where it's at and ask what's really going on and how can we change this? How can we get to the root cause of this and say, it's going to be okay. Thank you for the warning. I got this. And I feel like the, the author's name is totally leaving my mind right now. So please forgive me. But the author of worry, wonder over worry says it so beautifully and I've been doing this exercise for a while and then but of course I've heard this on the Almost 30 podcast but in order to really drive it home I feel like Lindsay's discipline episode really tied it all together and with the author in Wonder Over Worries basically having you do there's an exercise in the midst of the book because she does a lot of journal prompts in that whenever you are feeling 
that anxiety, whenever your inner critic is starting to run its mouth and kind of go a little bit crazy, write it all down, right? Or do some deep breathing and meditation. Just ask, hey, hey, thank you for the heads up. What do you need from me? What is going on? What is the deeper cause of this? And when I started doing those kind of journal prompts of the things that I was scared of and the things that I'm like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, that's when it really started to make sense that there's a part of me that just needed a bit of extra nurturing and extra reassurance. I feel like Brene's, Brene Brown's work in shame and guilt and vulnerability is also something that's really great to think about, especially in the terms of the man in the arena speech and how you kind of have to take off all this armor in order to move. I feel like 300 did a really good representation of that where he's like kneeling and he's like putting his weapon down and you think that he's giving up. When in reality, the narrator tells you all the things that he had to do in order to get the perfect aim in order to take out his enemy, right? And that's what your inner critic is doing. It is needing to voice what its concerns are and you needing to disarm it so that way you can make precise decisions and take aim to knock out whatever the concern or fear is. So how do you work with this? How do you disarm it and now move forward with it? So once you've recognized what the concern is, and once you've disarmed all of the what is the I'm scared, whatever, then it's time to take action. Because if we sit too long, we'll start the cycle all over again. I definitely love the five second rule. I don't know if you guys are aware of it, where like, instead of thinking through if you should do something or not, you give yourself five seconds and you do it. And that has honestly helped me through so much. It is pushed me to put myself out there in ways that I never thought I honestly would. From, hey, any does anybody want to share what these thoughts are, right? And to, hey, let me just, I, I'm nervous about asking this person if they would be willing to let me do this thing or be on their show or whatever. It has truly been helpful. Now, I know sometimes people will do three seconds too. I give myself five seconds so that way I can have the extra two seconds to overthink because I think it's fair to allow yourself to kind of go down that path a little bit. You just have to limit that time. I always say whenever something goes wrong or doesn't go my way or doesn't turn out how I would have hoped, that I get 2.5 seconds to cry about it or flip out about it, freak out, be angry, whatever. And then after that, we got to get back to our regularly scheduled program and come up with a plan to move forward. And so that's kind of what this is. So when you disarm whatever it is that's sounding the alarm, you have to take action and determine what that action is. So, for example, I'm really freaked out about this medication that my doctor put me on. It makes me feel like I have taken step backwards, it makes me feel like I'm not progressing and that I'm a bad diabetic, right? When I understand that the root cause of that is I want to get better, but these changes feel like they're not, then I acknowledge that and say, hey, it's okay to feel that way, but here's what we're going to do to move forward. Let's try the medication. Let's give it a month, two months, 
and if it doesn't feel like it's working or if you're checking your numbers and it's not seeming to do anything, then we'll make all these notations about it and we'll start looking at other areas that we can check into. If, it's, if the medication doesn't seem to be working, is it something in our diet? Is it something in our sleep? I recognized that sleep was a big issue for why I wasn't seeing the type of progress that I wanted to see, especially when it comes to working out. I will work out, but sleep was kind of the thing that was going to help me have the results that I want with working out. So you have to kind of recognize what's the next best thing to do in terms of action so that when you have that moment with yourself, and you recognize what the fear is and you disarm your critic and you say, hey, I got you. We don't need to sound the alarm anymore. Trust me, right? And then determine what's the next step. What is the best thing for me to do action-wise in order to push past this fear? I think it is really important that the action piece is the final like bow on the end of it. Because if you break everything down, if you recognize the alarm, you disarm it, you get to the root cause of it, but you don't do anything, then you just kind of sit and it allows the cycle to repeat itself and you stay stuck. I call it like research mode. When I am really interested in something, when I really want to see if I want to move forward in something, I do a lot of research. I look at the equipment, I look at the, do I need to buy anything? Will this require any additional skills? What all would it take to do that? And sometimes I get so wrapped up in all of the different options that I never choose anything. And then I never move forward. And so I have to purposely push myself to take action. I'll give you an example and then I'll shut up and let you guys go for the day. But I have had an idea for a second show, completely unrelated to Healing Hindsight, completely something that's a lot more personal to me. And it would be a live show, meaning no pre-recorded stuff like you're hearing right now. Just hit record and it's live streamed, all these things. And I've been stuck on making a decision about it because I went down the rabbit hole of all the things. Okay, if I'm gonna live stream, is my computer gonna be able to handle that? Do I have enough internet? Do I have the right equipment? Okay, there's all these different live streaming services. Do I do, you know, and I'm on a Mac. Do I do, you know, Streamlabs? Do I do Ecamm Live? Do I do StreamYard? Do I really wanna go browser-based again? Do I want to have all these fancy overlays? Oh crap, well, if I need overlays, then I need it to be branded. Do I need it to be branded? Like I'm not even doing much right now. Okay, how many accounts am I willing to have it streamed to? Okay, how much does it cost to have this pro version of this? Do I need that? Do I, you know, I, and I will go down the rabbit hole. I'm on YouTube, I'm looking at equipment. I'm looking at how much is this gonna cost? How much is that gonna cost? Where would I set up? What about this? What about that? And the reality is y'all, I already have everything that I need. What I need to do and what I've been doing is I narrow down three choices. Three choices when it comes to equipment, any software that I need, and whatever services that are, or platforms that I'm going to use to stream it from. Not going to spend any money on overlays and fancy stuff because I haven't done it yet. And there's no point in me spending money on something that I don't need yet. And Canva is real. 
you can make anything in Canva. <laughs> so when it when I put myself in those parameters, it pulls me out of research mode into now here's your options. I have, I, I have to force myself to narrow down those options. And then I say, pick one. And I might even get some weigh-ins. I might even ask some friends who have done streaming before or look at reviews and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I have to pick one. And then what do I do? I set it up and I press go live. So those are the hindsight thoughts for today. I hope that this was beneficial and that you gain something from this. And if you do, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Understand that your inner critic is something that is developed over time and it comes from the things that our family has said to us our friends what we've heard in school what we've heard at work navigating everyday life the things that we say to ourselves your inner critic is a culmination of all of these different things and it is really just this defense mechanism that is trying to warn you of something because whatever it is that you're about to do is so unfathomable and so scary that your mind is is not able to fully process that it's possible and what we have to do is consciously face that thing bring it back to its nice beautiful lush gardeny island self if i'm going with the moana reference and say hey I'm going to return this to you, which is your worries, doubts, concerns, because I got this. But tell me, what is it? What, what's the root cause of this? Why are you so up in arms about this? And once we recognize that, we take action to counteract that because nobody wants to be stuck in their head. Nobody wants to feel like no matter what you do, you cannot make progress simply because you're talking yourself out of something all the time. You just got to recognize it's something deeper that you're trying to protect yourself from. And once you recognize that, take action to prove yourself that it is going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. <laughs> all right. So let me know what you think. Leave me a review. Tell me what's on your mind. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know under the video how you feel about your inner critic and ways that you have navigated with those thoughts and worked with it, right? I like to think of my inner critic now as this, I don't know if there are any Naruto fans in the house, but basically my inner demon thing, if you will, that my body had to uh, absorb to protect the rest of the world and now I can control it. I would try to say the word Jin Jin I probably jacked that up. But any of my anime fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. These special spiritual beings that have to be housed in the body. And with that, you get some pretty cool powers too. And so that's what I like to think of my inner critic as. This gorgeous nine-tailed fox that... It went a little bit out of control and now we are in a partnership to hey you're my protection but at the same time I am your master and you are going to listen to me in a sense of not everything is about the sky falling instead lend me your power so that way I can take this action and go into this scary thing and show you that it's gonna be okay yeah yeah so Thank you guys once again for your time, energy, 
and for supporting the show and if there's anything that I can do to ensure that Healing in Hindsight is providing the information that you need, let me know. And if you'd like to support the show, you can definitely hit me up on Buy Me A Coffee. There is a link on the player somewhere, somewhere, I don't know where it is, but somewhere where you can help fuel my love for tea, coffee, and all hot drinks. And it would be greatly appreciated, so. That's all I got. This week, we have great guests coming up. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. It's going to be with the lovely ladies of the Dope Shit My Therapist Says podcast. I think you're going to enjoy it. But until then, I'll catch you guys next time.